Let's pray together. Father, would you open up the pages of your word today and on the last day of this year, would you speak your truth to us? Would you help us to embrace how we can go deeper in our faith? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, um, when you get to the end of the year, and some people watching, this might be the end of a season, this might be the end of a month, a week, for some the end of a year, what it causes you to do is, is it causes you to see that everything that's under the surface begins to well up. What I mean by that is if you've had a really great year, then this is going to be a time where you're really excited. It's going to magnify what's going on beneath the surface. If you've had a hard, challenging year, coming to the end of a season can be hard and challenging and it could bring up those memories. Whatever has been going on at the under the surface comes up, and I used to really think, I, mean, I know some of y'all probably heard this, new year, new me, new year, same God, that used to wear me out, because I'm like, do I really have to wait till December 31st to say new me? Can I not do that every day? Um, but I was foolish, because a new year is actually, every new season is a gift of God. Every new season is a time where we get to experience his grace in our lives. And when we come to a new season, we begin to evaluate. I don't know how you do your, end, your year-end review. I know with my family tomorrow, we're going to get together, we're going to have lunch, and we're all going to talk about what we were thankful for this year. And some of us are just grateful that we just made it through the year. Some of us would say, if you saw what I had to go through, you would know I'm just glad I'm here and alive and breathing today. Amen. Now, for many of us, that is good enough. Some of us are going to be more strategic, and we're going to see what, what went great this year. How did I exceed expectations, or where did I not meet expectations? Where do I have struggles? Where did I grow? Where was I held back? Where did I go backwards? And we begin to look at all these different ways to evaluate how the year went. There's one thing that we usually do not ask ourselves. In all of our evaluation, very infrequently, do we say, how did my faith grow over this year? Was my faith stronger over this year than it was last year? And what I want us to look at today is how can we look at how our faith can grow over the year, how we can level up our faith, because just like you, I don't always do that. I ask myself, was I more worried about my circumstances throughout the year, or was I more worried about my faith surviving in the middle of those circumstances? I have to ask myself, I have to wrestle with these things, and I have to say, how concerned am I that my actual faith grew? And that's what we're going to look at today is how can we level up? My goal is that we all could level up our faith so that when we get to the end of the new year next year that we can say, you know what? My faith took one step closer to God. My faith went a little bit deeper than it was before. My faith is a little bit stronger. And to do that, we're going to start off by reading in Hebrews chapter 11. And how we roll at our church as we stand for the reading of the word. So wherever you are, I want to invite you to stand with us. We're going to read Hebrews chapter 11. We're going to read a couple of verses in Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 8. I need you to read with me today. Let's start this off today. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Next verse. By faith... He lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. Next verse. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, 
whose architect and builder is God. Next verse. By faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now we're going to jump up to verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. Sounds familiar? Verse 18, it was he to whom it was said, in Isaac your descendants shall be called. Next verse. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Now, pop quiz, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to tell them how many times you think you saw the phrase by faith in this passage. Pop quiz, let's put everybody on the spot. Uh-huh, how many times? Somebody I heard, 10, there's not even 10 verses that we've read. <laughs> Online, how many times did you hear by faith? Praise the Lord. As you go to your seats, you can tell them it was four. That's what I meant. It was four. I said four. I meant four. Four times by faith, by faith, by faith. Can you say by faith? Anytime God repeats something in his word, that is his way of flashing a light saying, this is the theme of what I need you to get out of this part of scripture. And the part that we're seeing here is by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Four times in these few verses, by faith. Two of them are the same situation, and then there's two other situations. By faith, number one, by faith, the first part, it said, Abraham went to a land. He went to a land by faith. Number two, by faith, Sarah conceived a child. And number three, by faith, Abraham offered up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. All of these things were done by faith. And today we're going to look at what does it mean to do something by faith. We're saved by faith. We're changed by faith. We're sustained by faith. Our life is explained by faith. Everything we do is by faith. If you need something more in your life today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on out on a limb and say, if you need something, then most likely what you really need is more faith. If you need more provision, here's how this works. Don't, do not twist my words here. Here's how this works. If you need provision, then more faith will give you more vision to see what God has already provided in your life. And out of what he's already provided, you will see that you already have what you lack. And more than anything, what you really just needed was more faith to have the vision God had for you. You see, faith is what literally opens our eyes. I'm not talking about the faith of just asking for something and thinking, I'm going to get everything I ask for from God. This kind of faith is a kind of faith that unlocks a new experience with God, unlocks his presence in our life. If you need more peace in your life, you need more faith. If you need more love in your life, you need more faith. If you need more healing in your faith, you, in your life, you need more faith. We always need more faith to unlock these things in our life. Now, here's, go, here, here's what happens in these passages that we just read. They did take a step of faith, but every time you take a step of faith, you have to do it in some kind of uncertain situation. We all step out on faith in our lives. Faith is not just something that's spiritual. Faith is in everything. This stage right here, I have faith that I can stand on this stage. I, I did not see them build this stage. I was not here when the contractors came. If I had no faith in this stage, I would not be on this stage. If I had little faith on this stage, I would be on the edge just in case. 
But since I, I, I did not see them build it, but I know our contractors. I know the work that they do. I know I've seen people on this stage. I've seen Pastor Conway bring all manner of props that weigh thousands of pounds out on this stage. I have reasonable belief that I will be okay on this stage. I have faith. I have faith that when I leave church today and turn my car on, it's going to start. Amen? I have faith that when I swipe my debit card at the restaurant, it's going to work. We all go through faith, but there's always some uncertainty when we have to take a big leap of faith. For Abraham, when it's said that Abraham in this passage went to a land, it also then says even though he didn't know where he was going. Do you hear me? God said, Abraham, I need you to go to a special place. And he didn't tell him. He just said, go. And by faith, Abraham went, not even knowing where he was going. By faith, it says that Sarah had a child. What was the even though? She was well past the age where she should be able. Both of them were old, okay? They should not have been able to have kids. But by faith, in the middle of their uncertainty, they could have kids. By faith, it says Abraham offered up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. Check this out. Isaac was supposed to be the one, the promise through. All of the generations would come through Isaac, but by faith, even though it was uncertain, he still stepped out to do it. By faith, by faith, by faith, we can do no matter what comes our way. In any uncertain situation, we can take it by faith. And my goal today is for all of us to be able to have that kind of faith in our life like Abraham and Sarah and others that we're going to see in the Bible. Now, the important thing is for you to know that every single one of us can level up. You are not in this alone. We are in this together. Today we will lift each other. We will help each other. We will encourage each other. So we can say at the end of this that even though I might walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. If nobody else is with me, I know my God is with me. And I can walk by faith through that. So what do we do when uncertainty or a hard situation comes? In other words... We feel like God's telling us to go a direction, but everything in front of us doesn't add up. All I see are hurdles and mountains in front of me. Whenever, and you'll see this in your notes. You should have got notes when you came in. If you didn't, go to our app. Just go to the app store real quick. Type in One Community Church. You'll be able to see sermons. You can grab these notes. When uncertainty comes your way, you have three options I want to run through real quick. When you have a hard situation in front of you and you're questioning, can I do this by faith? The first thing you can do, the first thing you do is step back. You, you might be someone who steps back. This is literally someone who steps back from their faith. To step back means I'm going to walk away by, from my faith. To step back means, uh, Jesus even said this. He said, some, when the word comes their way, they're going to fall back because they can't handle it. Sometimes a hard situation causes us in today's world what we call to deconstruct our faith. In other words, this doesn't all add up, so I'm going to see how there's so many inconsistencies, and I don't believe this, that, or the other, and I'm going to fall back, and I'm just going to give up on my faith because this is too hard what's in front of me. The second option we have, you'll see here, is to step aside. I'm not stepping back, but I'm going to step aside. What that means is I'm going to compartmentalize my faith. That means I've got my faith in church and all that stuff here and there's some areas in my life over here that don't really add up with my faith. And God knows my heart. And I'm just going to do this thing here. And then on Sunday and in small group, I'll do this thing here. It's kind of like how we have um, 
we have drawers in our kitchen, right? You got a drawer for like the forks and knives and the oven mitt. I don't know what all you put in a drawer, the measuring cups. Uh, but we all have something called a junk drawer. This is a praise of any junk drawer witnesses in here. We've got all kind of drawers. And when we compartmentalize, what we're doing is saying we have the spiritual drawer and we have the real life drawer. In the spiritual drawer is all my God stuff, my Bible study, my church, all of these things go in the spirit, my giving, my serving. Over here is all the things that don't fit in my God drawer. You fill in the blank. What is it in your life that doesn't fit in the spiritual life drawer? Ooh, we could go down a whole list of things. But what God is telling us is his design is not for us to have two drawers. His design is to have one drawer where we live no lives. We live no lies. We live no inconsistency. We live the same no matter where we are. But sometimes we step aside and we compartmentalize. The third option, the one that we all want to strive for is to step up. When challenge comes our way is to step up and to go deeper in our faith. Can you say step up? Okay, good. Step up. This is where when a hard time comes your way, you can say, you know what, God, I'm going to cast all my cares and anxieties on you. This is when the situation that looks impossible comes your way. When the diagnosis that you did not expect comes your way, instead of an invitation for fear, you see that as an invitation for prayer. This is where I say I'm going to pray. I'm going to dive deeper into my word. I'm going to talk to other believers in the community of faith that is right here around me. I'm okay with waiting on the Lord. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to lean in deeper. I'm going to realize that the Bible tells us that when I draw close to God, he draws close to me. Stepping up in our faith. This is the kind of person who's grateful and patient in every situation. We've got people in our lives that we've seen go through the hardest of times. And I've walked with more families through pain this year than any other year. And I've seen more people going through the hardest situations still have hope in their eyes on Jesus than ever before. And sometimes you know what it's like to be with someone in a hospital room. And they've got the terminal diagnosis. But somehow they still find things to be grateful for no matter what's going on they still find a way to encourage the staff in the hospital to talk about Jesus to encourage their family I've been around those people and every time I'm around those people it does something inside of me I'm like how in the world are you doing that because I'm a worrier I'm always thinking about worst case scenario and here they are talking about the best case and it impacts me in a positive way I like to call what they have the sunflower anointing they got the sunflower anointing. I know it's sunflower. It's not sunflower oil. It's the sunflower. The sunflower is not called the sunflower because it looks like a sun. It's called a sunflower for a very specific reason. Many of you know this. A sunflower will follow the sun, the face of a sunflower, throughout the day, wherever the sun is. Even if something is in a way or there's a sidewalk or a tree, it will wrap around. It will do whatever it has to do throughout the day to follow the sun. It keeps its face on the sun no matter what's going on throughout the day. Now, check this. This is what's really cool. The sun sets in the west. Here's what happens at nighttime. When the sun goes down, the sunflower slowly starts shifting back to the east. You know what it's doing? <laughs> 
It is anticipating where the sun is going to show back up. It knows that even though it's dark for a little while, the sun's coming back, and I need to get ready so that when the sun comes back, I can be ready to have my face looking at the sun throughout the day. Now, here's the crazy part. You, do you, why in the world does it do this? There is science behind this. There's a very specific reason it's always facing the sun. It faces the sun always because it needs its faceplate, they call it, to be facing the sun. That keeps its face warm. And what happens as the face of the sunflower is warm is it attracts bees to the warmth. And when the bees come, they land and they start to do something called cross pollinization. That's a fancy word for they start reproducing. And what it does is it makes that sunflower reproduce quicker and multiply itself because it's been in the sun, because it's attracted bees, all of a sudden it multiplies what it does to a greater extent. Do you hear what I'm saying today? Here's what we have to do. We have to keep our eyes fixed on the sun. No matter where it's day or night, we anticipate that the sun is coming. And here's what happens. As we do that, it keeps our soul and our spirit red hot on fire for Jesus. And guess what? It multiplies what he does inside of us into the lives of others. That's why people in the hospital that are encouraging others, all of a sudden it blesses other people there too. Because something is happening just like the sunflower in their life. They've got the sunflower anointing. This is the kind of faith we all need that when times get hard we lean in we step in and sometimes we get tricked into thinking faith just means I'm blindly trusting I'm following without looking no 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 no. it's not trusting with no evidence faith is trusting with evidence we've got a whole book of evidence right here faith is not that here's what faith is faith is not belief without proof faith is trust without reservations Faith is not believing without proof. Faith is saying, you know what, I'm going to trust without any reservations. It's complete surrender. That's what faith is in our life. And we need that kind of faith in our life if we're going to step up in the new year. Now, what are these steps? I want to walk you through three levels of faith. Three levels. Now, these levels, you, you, we all go all throughout all these levels at any given time. We're not always static in one level to the other. We go back and forth. I know I go back and forth. So I don't know about you. When I describe it, you'll see. I go back and forth in these levels. The first level is something called selfish faith. That just doesn't even sound like it goes together, does it? Selfish faith right here. That's little faith. It's restless faith. It's faith that's focused on me and on my circumstances. Here's what selfish faith is. It's when your faith is in crisis. It's when you and I need a direct intervention from God as our only hope. It's where the diagnosis comes back and it is a death sentence. It's where I've got no other hope. It's where my prayers aren't being answered. It's where I get the phone call and it's the worst case scenario. It's where the dream has died. The relationship has ended. It's where all I'm focused on is me and my pain. And then we go to Jesus. And I want to show you what happens in Mark chapter 9, verse 20 through 23 says, they brought this boy to him, that's Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit threw him into a convulsion. And falling on the ground, he began rolling around and foaming at the mouth. Next verse. And he asked him, this is, the, this is Jesus asking the kid's father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. 
Next verse. It's often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. This guy's so desperate. He's saying, Jesus, he's really focused on him and his son. If you can do anything, please take pity on us. I love Jesus' response. Look at verse 23. This is Jesus' words. Jesus said to him, if you can. (laughs) You, You see what Jesus said? He's like, do you know who you're talking to? If I can, if I can, he says right here, all things are possible to him that believes. And then the guy says, I believe, help my unbelief. Here's what Jesus says. You know what? You have some weak faith, but you've come to me at least. And he decides that he's going to heal him. Here's what's good. This guy's son is every, this is, the wheels are completely off right here. This is a hopeless situation. Just imagine if you've got children and you've done everything you can to raise your children and nothing works. You've even done train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from him. That is not working right here. Nothing's working. Nothing's going to the script. Jesus, I need your help. We all know what it's like to throw up a Hail Mary. I've got no hope. I've got one last shot. I'm going to God. God, if you can do something, will you do it? That is a desperate, selfish faith. But guess what? That's where most all of us start. We have to start right here. We just don't want to always stay right here. You see, I've got a pastor that I know that for the last um, little less than a year has been going through something crazy. And he went to do a physical, and the doctor said, we see something that doesn't look kind of right. We need to do some more testing. They threw out the C word, cancer. And this pastor that I know just began to pray, God, please don't let it be. His prayer was 100% focused on, God, please don't let it be. I know you're not done with me. Please don't let this be cancer. And he was in this selfish, admittedly, we're all there sometimes place of saying, God, will you help me? Second kind of faith is what we'll call selfless faith. It's where we're focused on God now instead of ourselves and on the circumstances of us and others around us. It's great faith. It's reaching faith. I want to tell you about this story in Matthew chapter 8 about selfless faith. This is a maturing faith. This is a faith that's getting a little stronger. It's not 100% focused on me. It's mature believers who don't just go by desperation and fear. You've got a centurion, a leader, a soldier. He comes to Jesus and he says, hey, my servant back home is paralyzed. Can you heal him? Jesus is like, yes, I got this. And the centurion says to Jesus, I'm not even worthy for you to come into my home. Jesus, if you just say the word, I know he'll be healed. At what Jesus is like, hold up. This guy's got some crazy faith. And he heals him. And he says, this man, this, th- your servant has been healed because of your great faith, your selfless faith. Selfless faith is special. And here's goes what's going on here is he's saying, Jesus, you just say the word. And I know it can be done. That's level two. We're not selfish. We're we're trusting God now. We're not desperate. We are selfless. We're looking at others. We're looking at God. And what I saw from this pastor that I know is here's what happened to him in his life. Okay, they came back. They did the test. And it came back as cancer. And not just cancer. They said, you know what? We, this is a little worse than we thought. 
And um, as I'm following along, me personally, I'm asking myself, how would I be praying if I was going through this? So when you walk with people who are going through hard times, you have to evaluate, would I be selfish? Would I be selfless? His prayers went from selfish to selfless. He began to say, God, you know what? I trust in you. I don't know where we're going with this. I trust that you've got my family. I, God, I still want you to heal me. But God, you know what? I'm just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego at this point. There's a fire in front of me, God. I believe that you can deliver me from this. But even if you don't, I'm still going to trust you. That is what selfless faith says. God, I'm going to put my full hope and trust in you. Most of us live in level one and level two. Selfish, selfless. It's me. The third level that we all need to go to this year is called surrendered faith. <laughs> Focusing on God and on his will alone. No longer focused on my circumstances. God, I just want to know you and your will. This is what the Bible calls perfect faith or resting faith. Look at this verse right here, Matthew 26, 39. This is as Jesus is about to go to the cross and die a brutal death. He went a little beyond them and he fell on his face and prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. God, if there's any other way, can that way be done and not this way? Can I not have to be crucified? Then he says this phrase, yet not as I will, but as you will. See, surrendered faith doesn't mean we don't have desires. It doesn't mean that we don't have wishes or dreams. It just means that we're okay if those things don't happen. That's what makes the person who steps into their faith so special. They're okay if those things don't happen. We, we're not emotionally attached to those things. In other words, I'm not going to fall apart if this happens. Jesus is not saying, he's saying, God, if there's another way, but you know what, God, my ultimate goal is your will, not my will. That's where Paul says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to be okay. I'm not emotionally attached to the desires of my heart. Here's what attachment is. Here's what trips us up. We have things that we're attached to in our lives. An attachment is an emotional state of clinging to something caused by the belief that without that thing, I cannot be happy. Attachments are things that we hold on to. And we say, if I let go of this thing, I will no longer be happy in my life. And if I'm not holding on to it, I'm reaching for it. Those are what attachments are. Attachments are not wanting something. Attachments are needing something for me to be okay. And we all have attachments. It'd be really funny if I said, tell your neighbor your attachment. <laughs> what I want you to do is just hold your hands like this, and whatever your attachment is, what's the thing that trips you up the most? That's what's in your hands. Surrender is very simple. It looks like this. Just open your hands. God, I don't need that to be okay. Surrender is, God, I don't need that to survive. God, I don't need that to take my next step in life. God, I open my hands to you. Here's why this is so hard because we feel like sometimes if I open my hands, I don't know if God's going to put something else back in them. If I open my hands, I don't know if God's going to put something else back in them better than what I already have. If I open my hands, I don't know how long I'm going to have to wait for what God puts in my hands. 
happens. You see, here goes what happens. If we need our lives to go a certain way for us to be happy and at peace, we'll never be happy and at peace. The secret is saying, God, I'm going to be happy and have joy and at peace no matter what comes my way. That's what happened to Adam and Eve. They lived in perfection and complete surrender to God. And then the enemy, the serpent, the evil one, Satan came by. He did not tell them to stop surrendering. He told them, I want you to surrender to something else. I want you to surrender to me and what I'm telling you to do. You see, every single one of us knows how to surrender. We just have to ask, what are we surrendering to? And we don't have to surrender to our struggles. We have a choice, and sometimes we have to stand up and say, I'm going to make a decision, God, based in your power. I'm going to open up my hands, and I'm no longer going to be worried about what I think I need. I'm going to be worried about the God that I already have. And I'm going to be content in all things. That's what this means. We open our hands. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He emptied himself. I'd rather have God more than anything else. Now, let me tell you real quick. Um, if you're like me, I'm kind of a control freak. I like to be in control of everything. <laughs> Any control freaks in the house? You like to plan B, plan A, B, C, D? You got to plan for it. Control freaks have a hard time letting go, okay? Yeah. Praise the Lord. But those of you who aren't control freaks, you have your own problems. You surrender to everything. So this goes both ways, all right? Both, both ways this goes. So we, we have to figure out, how do I properly surrender? This pastor that I follow that I know went from might have cancer to have cancer to now it's stage four cancer and it's in multiple parts of your body. We don't know how long you're going to make it. Here's what that looks like to him. He went from selfish to selfless to now surrendered, saying, God, you know what? When you realize that everything you have is a gift from God, when you realize I really don't deserve anything, that it's all your grace, when you start with that as your baseline, which is where he is right now, you realize you're going to be okay no matter what happens. And now his prayer is a lot different. God, not my will, your will be done. He's not paralyzed by fear. He's walking in faith, and it confronts me as to what in the world would I do? So how do we grow in our surrendered faith? Two things, awareness and action. Can you say awareness, awareness and action? Next to awareness in your notes, write the word passive. Next to action, write the word active. This is a real simple concept. Um, action and active is what we do when we think it's our part. Passive or awareness is God's part in our life. There's certain things in the spiritual life that we think we're doing. I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm getting in a small group, I'm doing 40 days of prayer, I'm doing uh, draw the circle, I'm doing all these things. These are things that I do, I'm filling myself, I'm in control, I'm doing, I'm doing. It's my part in my spiritual growth, but there's a part that many of us miss out on. It's called the awareness or the passive part of our spiritual growth. That's the part where God is in control. That's the one where God is calling the shots. That's the one where God is doing things whether I want him to or not. That is where a lot of times we go through pain and heartache and suffering. That is where I feel like I'm most out of control. But if I could talk to anybody who's been through something in here, you know that God does his best work in our lives through the hardest of times. 
We know that he shows up in the hardest of times in our lives to transform us closer to him. Here's how I know it's against our will, though. Because as we look at this new year, so we're looking at 2024, and we're making resolutions and habits and new things, cycles we're going to start. Here's what I've never heard anyone say. God, I'm praying next year for four to five weeks of medium to hard pain and suffering, (laughs) specifically targeting my depression and anxiety and all of those issues I have. God, would you use those four to five weeks of medium, not not super hard, but medium to hard, would you use those to bring me 20 to 25% closer to Jesus? (laughs) None of us are asking for that. It's not goal-based. It's something we receive and we're aware of. And what I want to invite you to do as you go into the new year, a lot of times when pain comes, the lie the enemy tells us is you run from your pain to heal from your pain. You run to pain to heal pain. And when we run from it, we just prolong it. And when hard times come this year, bless you on New Year's Eve, not if, bless you when they come, because they will come for all of us. I want to invite you to say, God, what are you doing here? And how am I going to grow and get closer to you? You see, it's the active and the passive. It's the action and the awareness go together. You can't just do all of one or all of the other. Both go hand in hand. Faith and action work together. Here's how you do this. You make space in your life for God. In other words, if I were to ask you as we look at the new year, is there even room for God to show up? Have you already made room for him or does he have to force his way in? So you make space. You move towards the pain, and you accept the invitation from Jesus for your life to be changed. Our goal is for you and for me to level up this year by faith. Our goal is to say, God, I want to be surrendered. I want to step up. I want to do everything you do. If I could teach you one thing, it's by faith all things are possible. It's this year I, I... I pray that you would celebrate by faith, that you would praise by faith, that you would worship by faith, that you would rejoice by faith, that you would walk by faith, that you would talk by faith, that everything you do, that you would live by faith, that you would give by faith, that everything you and I do, that you would stand by faith, that we can have a life that is filled with faith as we step up into this new year. I want to pray for us right now, and I want to ask you, maybe you just want to hold your hands open in a posture of surrender. Before I pray, I just want to I just want to give you a little disclaimer. None of us can 100% live in surrender until we meet Jesus in heaven. But we can have pockets and seasons of surrender. And what it does is there's a reciprocal relationship with our surrender to God with how we experience him in every situation and my prayer is that you have joy no matter what comes your way. Heavenly Father, would you speak to us? Would you change us? Would you help change a paradigm in our hearts that says our circumstances control our joy and happiness, God? Would you help us have that rooted in you? Heavenly Father, would you do something in our lives so that we can see and evaluate where our faith is? God, have we been so focused on selfish and all about me if I look at my prayer life this year? Maybe I've been selfless or maybe I'm starting to be surrendered, but God, would you help each of us see where we're at And how we could step up and level up our faith. How we could go deeper in this new year. Father, I pray this will be the year that when we get to 2025, we can look back and see how our faith has grown 
as a result of what we've put into action today. God, would you move and work in our lives? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you help me thank God for his word, everyone? Amen.